we smacked our heads squarely against the wall and, and growth more or less stopped. Uh, and it really was a head scratcher. We weren't doing anything different. We weren't losing customers, uh, but we didn't know how to grow uh, any further than what we had. We were any, you know, anything else, we were kind of getting ahead of our skis. Welcome to the Building to Scale podcast, where we bring real entrepreneur stories that showcase the challenges and successes in building and scaling an entrepreneurial business. Our host, Jeff Chastain, is a business transformation coach with Admentis, where he coaches business leaders and their teams with a proven set of principles and tools, helping them gain clarity in and get more of what they want from their business. Make sure to stick around until the end of the show, and we will reveal how you can become our next guest. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is Jeff Chastain with the Building to Scale podcast again, where I get the opportunity to speak with entrepreneurial business leaders, thought influencers, and, and really people in the business world that have gone through both successes and challenges here as they've grown and scaled their business over time. So today's guest that I have with me here is Val King of White Hat Virtual Technologies down in Austin, Texas. And obviously, I've got some technology background myself these days, so it, or in previous lives here. So it's, it's fun talking to anybody in the technology realm there. And then hopefully we'll stay a little bit above some of the geek speak here and then actually talk a little bit about business today. But first off, just wanted to welcome you, Val, to the, the podcast. And thank you for coming on. And then just learn a little bit more about yourself and White Hat Virtual Technologies here. Great. Well, thank you for having me today. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. And, and hopefully some of the things I say will, will resonate with uh, other business owners, uh, some of the challenges they're, they're having and, and had. I, I know we've, I've got years of figuring this stuff out. So I like to, to, to share where I can because I'm certainly learning, learning from others uh, as we continue to, to stumble into to new problems. Yeah, it's entrepreneurship is definitely a, a learning journey. It's always, I work a lot with uh, high school kids and that's one of those things is like, they want to say, hey, as soon as I'm done with school or as soon as I'm done with college degree, I'm done learning. It's like, no, you're really not. That's that's just the start here. If you stop learning, you're going to get get lost. So this is always a, a learning journey. So tell me a little bit more about what is, what is White Hat Virtual Technologies? What do you guys do? Sure. White Hat Virtual Technologies is, I'll call us a, a technology services provider, which is really a, a take off of the, the MSP space or managed service provider space. Uh, we started off with, with one employee and, and you're looking at him. Uh, and we began with uh, really kind of, kind of a little bit out of frustration in terms of uh, being in the space and watching what customers were going through needing technology but not really understanding what they needed. They knew the outcome they needed, but they didn't know how to get there. And they were making a lot of purchases that well, they weren't getting the value out of. So for me, that was, that was kind of the point of, of founding the company was trying to address that particular problem. So I'll be honest, the toughest sale was to uh, employee number two, talking somebody else into joining this mess with me and, uh, and, and going after the work. So we started on the back of, of, uh, of one project and uh, had to go find another project to, to keep the wheels uh, turning. And fortunately, we've been doing that from then all the way to now with give or take 50 people kind of scattered around the world. So not huge, but uh, definitely a lot of lessons learned along the way. Um, uh, so where would you like me to go from there? I'll be happy to. to <laughs> no, you're good. In. So what? Obviously, I'm, I'm trying to think. It was something I saw White Hat was saying 17, 18 something years now. So 
Uh, so we've we're we're nudging our tenth year in terms oh, of okay. of business as White Hat, but we've all been in this space for between seventeen and twenty years, kind of in one form or another. Uh, that's that's really how we began. Uh, I guess if digging into to White Hat specifically, uh, the important part for us was I guess if I'm looking at IT, uh, and you've been in this space before, uh, we in IT tend to talk about stuff, right? They, we don't talk about SANs and servers and storage and cables and blinky lights and all that stuff. And and for me, I really didn't think that that translated to the business, right? Nobody cares about that stuff. What you care about and what, what I personally care about and what we founded the company on was the last 18 inches between the screen and the eyeballs of the employee. Because ultimately, if we're, not, if we're not crossing that divide between the monitor and the employee, then everything that's behind it is somewhat irrelevant. And I'll use an analogy, which, which I use with business owners to, to help it resonate, but, uh, and that's really of a pencil. Uh, it takes 14 years to make a pencil, by the way, and I actually took time to figure this out. And I got there because roughly 108 years ago, high technology was a pencil with an eraser. Um, that was the computer of its day. So by the time you grow the cedar tree to the proper diameter, cut it, cut it into blocks, put five uh, slits in the block, make a sandwich, put in glue, put in the lead, uh, glue it all up, chop it up, paint it, shape it, ferrule it, stamp it, package it, ship it, 14 years. And I'll, I'll take you back to your six-year-old self when you had that pencil that was ridiculously oversized for your hand. The first time you go to write with a pencil, uh, to probably your name, and the lead snaps, the last quarter inch between the pencil and the paper breaks, I mean, there goes your productivity tool, right? It's not a pencil anymore, now it's a stick. And that's ultimately the analogy we use with IT. What really what that last 18 inches for us represents where that lead touches the paper. If the lead breaks, you got a whole bunch of IT stuff doing nothing. You'd be better off spending $3.49 on a big chief notepad and a number two pencil than you are the $1,000 you spend on the computer, Microsoft Word, and everything else to theoretically be more productive to, uh, you know, for your employees. And so that's really where we began. How do we make sure that the money you're paying on the back end for all the boxes and wires actually translate into value on the front end for your business? And that's, that was really kind of the founding idea. And from that, it took off from there. Yeah, I love that idea because that's really, it definitely applies to technology. And like I said, I know where you're coming from from that because most of the people, I did a lot of software work and stuff. And it's like, they don't care about what language or what server it's running on or whatever. It's all about the user experience. So you look at that by a, a general business experience though, it doesn't matter how you're building your product, everything that goes into your product. It's what's the experience that the customer gets? What's the experience that even your employees get kind of a thing there and working with you. So it's really about everything should be more about, we say we're a lot of us, well, we're not in sales kind of things like, well, technically you really are. Everything is about sales, getting that experience, that, that, uh, time with that customer, that time with that client. So you versus tech with technology kind of a thing. That's, that's a, a big key there. And then realizing that has probably led to a lot of your success right there, just because so many technology firms are out there are selling the features of the piece of software or selling the features, of the, selling the blinking lights kind of a thing there. And then nobody, nobody gets that. Nobody wants that kind of thing. It's like, it's, it's cool walking in the big data center with all the big servers and all the, all the blinking lights, but then you walk out and say, okay, that was cool. What's that going to do for me? And that's, that's really where it comes down to, okay, what, what does it really deliver to your, to your team and to your customers there? So that's great. 
So backing up a little bit before White Hat, kind of what what's what's your story? What what got you into the the entrepreneurial mindset to say, hey, I'm going to go start a, a new technology firm here? Uh, entrepreneurship for me has been a long road. Uh, I, my my first little business was technically a lemonade stand. Uh, I had I had no supply cost. I was a quarter of glass, and that's where I first figured out that I could make something not understanding what cost was necessarily, but, but then I could go uh, at a rodeo arena, I could go sell lemonade at a quarter a cup and have a few bucks in my pocket to then go do what I wanted to do with. So honestly, and I, I, I still recall that very vividly, so many little businesses along the way. Uh, ultimately, White Hat was, was formed when a company I was working with decided they didn't want to be in Austin, Texas anymore, and they were abandoning their customers. So for me, I saw that as an opportunity to, to go back into entrepreneurship, which is what I wanted to do and to take some of these kind of ideas. And again, some of the frustration I talked about when it started of just not seeing customers taken care of the way I, I thought they should be, both being a business owner and being in the technology space, I saw a big gap between what companies wanted to do and then what they could do uh, because of a kind of a knowledge gap. They didn't know how to close that effectively without putting a lot of resources behind it. So that was, that was the impetus. Uh, it worked out very well. Uh, we doubled up. We had a good first year. We doubled up year two. We doubled up year three. Uh, and we're headed that way to year four. And then we smacked our heads squarely against a wall and, and growth more or less stopped. Uh, and it really was a head scratcher. We weren't doing anything different. We weren't losing customers. Uh, but we didn't know how to grow uh, any further than what we had. We were any, you know, anything else, we were kind of getting ahead of our skis. And so ultimately working through that, what I figured out was uh, we were burning our most important asset, our time. So anytime we needed to grow, we just put more hours in and we just put more hours in and we just put more hours in. Well, eventually we flat out ran out of hours uh, and we had to really kind of stop and soul search a little bit and figure out, okay, there's, there's companies that get a lot larger than us and they're not working 60 plus hours a week. You know, it's a new company. You, you, you do what you have to do to get it done, yep. but that wasn't sustainable. So for us, we really had to take a step back and look at how do we continue to grow in the face of we're out of time. And really we got the answer looking at what we were doing for our customers. We, we were systematized and had processes in place to take care of our customers, which is how we were keeping them and keeping them happy, but we weren't really applying those uh, systems to us. We were still running on personal heroics, uh, where you know individual heroes save the day, and we were continually having to to save the day. But uh, that was really what unlocked the next step for us was figuring out how to how to get some basic processes in place for the things we were doing every day, so that we could continue to scale. And then I would, I would say the, the next big lesson for us came around project management. Uh, projects were a huge chunk of our business initially and really still are, but, uh, but a little bit less so in terms of revenue mix. But we ran into problems where our projects were, were being delivered, eh, give or take 55% of the time on time and on budget. We were long, we were missing you know, badly. Yeah. Uh, so that was another place we had to stop and say, okay, wait a minute, we're, you know, we're, we're like a potato truck driving down the road and we're losing more potatoes off the sides of the truck than are actually getting to the destination. So what are we doing? So we managed to, to uh, uh, go dig into 
to Scrum and dig into a whole bunch of other technologies, theories of constraints to ultimately identify how to solve that bottleneck, which really the problem was, it's kind of like a Tetris game. How do you take a couple of hundred customers that all want different projects that all need different skill sets and different people to achieve those projects and stick them all in the blender and not make anybody mad. So that was the riddle we had to solve. And so now we run about 94, 95% on-time project completion percentage, uh, which honestly gave us 40% uh, more productivity. Uh, so gave us more resources uh, effectively, even though we're driving more projects, it gave us more resources to do those projects, cut our overall cost and made us better. So those are kind of two of the really big hurdles from, from founding with, with one person to, to kind of where we are today. Um, so different challenges today, but that's more or less what got us here. No, it makes sense. And that's really where I see a lot of business owners, especially your smaller growing businesses struggle is that it's, it's a completely different mindset when you're at four and five people, like you said, just doing everything through sheer willpower. Hey, we can push through this. And all of a sudden we get to 10, 15, 20 kind of employees. And it just doesn't work that way anymore that you've got. I, I know, especially like I said, being in the tech realm, everything's about process. Everything's about systems. You need checklists to say, okay, did we do all these steps in order to deliver this and deliver it the right way? And when you've got one technician doing it their way, one technician doing it a different way, and especially if you've got somebody else having to come back in and pick up a project halfway through, it's like, what did they do? Have they done it all right kind of thing? It's just it's a recipe for disaster right there. And probably like you're saying, your, your project management rate or delivery rate is being a lot slower because you're having to go back and do rework or other things going on like that just because there's not a, a standard way of doing things. Right. That's, that's, that's it exactly. You get too big that the tribal knowledge in the office, you can't be enough places to have your fingers on it to make sure the standard stays the same. So the standards have to be in place when you can't be there. And then ultimately figure out you kind of get a life back too, because then you don't have to be there for the company to function. You can continue to grow and make sure that you're delivering the brand experience that your customers are paying for, right? I mean, why do we go to McDonald's? We go there, not necessarily because it's the best burger we ever ate. We go there because the fries are going to taste the same at everyone, no matter where you go. You want that taste. You want that consistency. Yeah. And that's, that, was, that was the lesson for us is how do we get consistent when the, the key founders aren't looking? Um, how, do, how do we make sure that we're delivering the right experience? And that was, yeah. that was kind of a big kind of light bulb moment for us to figure out. So we probably kind of touched on it already, but looking at your specific role, because I know from being the IT person, you've got the whole alphabet soup of, of credentials and everything else following your name kind of a thing. So I'm assuming you started out, especially as the one person, being really hands-on, being involved in the actual implementation of technologies, knowing the systems, knowing how to troubleshoot and debug, whereas now you're at a 50 person CEO role. So what's, what's the transition been like just in your own personal kind of journey over those 10 years of saying, okay, from technician to now being CEO? Uh, really, I, I didn't start on the technical side. I really started more as a, a technical salesperson. I would say my strength has been, how do I, how do I listen to your problem as a business owner and then talk to a engineer and communicate that to the engineer and take the geek speak that comes from the engineer and translate that into English for the business owner. That's really been, I guess you'd call it my superpower and kind of where we, where we began. Uh, so ultimately figuring out the problem and then figuring out how to solve the problem where everybody would could be on the same page. 
that's where I began. So my first sale to employee two, that was the engineer. That was the person who could turn the wrenches. Uh, but I would, I would say that uh, really it's been about, uh, for me personally, uh, growing and figuring out what roles to relinquish, you know, where you're handling effectively everything and relinquishing roles of, of uh, you know, finance or, or, or operations or just the kind of the whole gamut there, figuring out when was time to hire somebody and delegate out uh, functionality and then figuring out how to manage those people to maintain uh, expectations. And then when it, when it was time to, to uh, you know, add more people and, and people under them. So that's, that's been a piece that I had to learn personally. Uh, and now my role is really overseeing a team uh, and I've got a, a core group of managers um, and some VPs that, that handle a lot of the day-to-day. -day. I'm still involved more heavily on the kind of the, the sales side and the business development side. It's, a, it's just a, a piece I enjoy as well as kind of on the business, um, the business development side, really in terms of the, what are the, what are the technologies? What are the problems we're seeing from our customers? And then what are the technologies out there that, that solve them, that deliver real business value and figuring out how to incorporate that and really get ahead of our customers a little bit. So once they're ready for it, we've already nailed down what the solution is and how it's going to work for their particular business. So that's really where my focus is now, where a lot of the other pieces have been handed off, some tougher than others, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but that's that's been my reality. So today it's it is still a growing lesson in terms of of how to, you know, less how to do the jobs and now more how to, to manage the people and shape the practices and, and not get sucked into the minutia uh, when there's a lot of other pieces I need to keep an eyeball on. Uh, I mean, the analogy I use is initially, if you, if you talk about a car, I was looking at the dash, you know, my eight or 10 metrics to figure out what's going on. But really my role is to look 200 yards uh, at, the, at the edge of the headlights and to see where we're going and to make sure we don't hit a tree. Uh, and so I really, I've had to really grow up and focus more on that end of the business and leave more of looking at the dash to, to the next tier that works around me and with me so that we can continue to grow as a business. That's probably the best analogy I can give. No, and that, that makes perfect sense and is really a, a key factor there because I see too many, I was actually just reading a, a study the other day talking about earlier that was statistics wise saying that over 44% uh, of entrepreneurs don't even have any kind of college degree in the first place. And even few of those are even focused on business. So we come in as a technology person or we come in as a medical person or whatever, we know our lane, but then figuring out, okay, how do I step away from day one being the one person that does everything, knows everything to now being the CEO over 50 people and I can't keep doing everything myself. So that ability to, like you're saying, step away and delegate, especially look out forward, because that's that's really the the biggest key from a CEO perspective is saying, okay, the vision, where are we going kind of a thing there with that. So that's that's incredibly crucial right there and, and very good, obviously, that you've you've made it through that and kind of adjusted with that because it can be it can be a tough change touch challenge like you said uh, it, it was tough i mean let's yeah. I, I won't sugarcoat it i mean it, I, I didn't just uh tap dance my way through all of that there there was uh some some bloody noses and some black eyes along the way those you know those those aha moments those very expensive moments that teach you your best lessons uh yeah it's i mean I, i've learned more from 
from the the punches in the head I have taken in figuring things out than than by the victories. Yeah, and that's so. But that's 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 kind of how we've got here. But I wouldn't trade anything for it. I mean, those are those are hard fought lessons that are now baked into the DNA, and really that I enjoy sharing with other people. You know, I I don't do any official mentoring, but of the of the people that I work with, I, you know, I'm trying to help them avoid the some of the bear traps and potholes that that I've stepped in that I've I've paid dearly to figure out. So. Um, that's, that's a, that's a, a piece that I enjoy kind of, kind of giving back a little bit and really hope I help somebody here as well. Um, that's yeah, really the, the, a lot of this for me is to make sure that other people can learn from, from what I've done both successfully and bad to, to do better themselves. Yeah. I, I love the, the mentality and the attitude there. I, I was on another, somebody else's show a long time back that was asking me, okay, what, what regrets do you have about your your previous journeys, previous experiences, it's like, I don't look at that as regrets. It was, yeah, there was obviously some challenges, some, some learning moments, but that's what I look at it as is it's, it's an opportunity to learn an opportunity to grow at that point, because if everything was smooth, you probably wouldn't get to where you were today. So I, I love the, like I said, the, the mentality and just the realness there of saying, yeah, this is not growing a company is not all nice, smooth growth here. There's going to be, like you said, ceilings, there's going to be things you're going to run into here. So it's not, not out there on your own for sure. So I know we kind of talked about this before, and obviously being recording this still on the tail end here of 2020, dealing with uh, the pandemic, COVID, stuff like that. What kind of, uh, obviously you said before, you're, you're already a virtual company. Everybody's used to working uh, virtual and handling virtual technologies, et cetera. What kind of changes have you had to make directly in the company to kind of adapt or pivot or obviously dealing with your clients? What, what kind of changes are you seeing going on with them in terms of a, a successful adaptation versus less than successful adaptation. What, what have you seen here for the last, uh, whatever, eight, nine months we've been dealing with this mess? Yeah, that's a, that's a big question. So I would say uh, really helping customers. We, we represent customers across all sorts of industries, uh, banking and healthcare probably primarily, but we have retail, engineering, manufacturing, uh, and helping them figure out the shift in their business uh, is has really been uh, a big part. So you've got banks that can't open lobbies. Okay, how do we function? Where do we put people? Uh, uh, where the traditional reasons they bought some of the technologies we sell were to solve compliance problems and to make sure they they had a handle on data to avoid regular regulatory constraints. Then. Uh, this happened and now it's about survival. I mean, okay, regulatory, yes, I have to check that box, but we got to get out of bed and do something tomorrow and take care of people. How do we do that? And so that's been the biggest transition is we're not necessarily checking a box for our customers or, or you know, making sure we're ticking and tying everything, uh, you know, retail, hospitality, engineering. Uh, it's, it's been about survival for a lot of these companies. How do we change our business model quickly uh, in a way that we can still exist and serve our customers and help those that are, that are struggling or in industries that, that aren't doing as well? How do, you know, how do we, you know, you, one is how do we exist? And once they get to how do they continue to exist, then it gets, well, you know, how do we take others with us? How do we make sure that our customers are taken care of so that they can continue to, to pay us so we can continue to exist and grow? Um, that's been the biggest change. Less about uh, business in general, more about survival. And then once you get past survival, kind of how do, how do, we're all in this together. 
how do we go forward together has has been the the biggest piece. Uh, we are virtual. Uh, we've we do have a you know a couple of offices, very sparsely populated, but we are scattered all around the globe. So fortunately, in terms of practical terms, our business didn't change much in terms of of what we did on a day to day basis. Um, but that's that's been the 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 biggest change for our customers. Uh, and then I kind of alluded to it earlier, really getting into once we've sent people home, how do we make them productive? I mean, how do so why are some companies productive when they send their employees home and some aren't? Um, very good question. We figured out that if they worked in a collaborative role in their business and you sent them home, they were less productive. If they were lone wolves and used to being solo and you sent them home, in some cases, the productivity went up 15, 20% because they didn't have other things in the office detracting them. So how do you deal with that? How do you, how do you build a collaboration platform when your business is built around being collaborative and around a table? How do you replicate that at home? So those are really the, how does your business work? And what do we need to replicate at home to keep that functionality in place, your culture, your way of working in place so that you can continue to not only exist, but be successful. Uh, and that's, and I'm giving you, I'm giving you a lot of answers, but yeah. those are really kind of the, the, the important pieces that have, have really changed my perspective in terms of, of how we're approaching business with our customers this year. No, it makes perfect sense. And I'd I love the collaboration idea because that's one that I've, I've heard from a lot of people is like, okay, we're used to getting together for meetings, getting together, coffee room, whatever, break room kind of a stuff. So I'd, I'd love to dive into that one. I don't know that we got time really to get down in the technology, but definitely point everybody to you because I'm assuming you probably got some, at least some technology approaches to say, okay, this is how we can still replicate or try to recreate some of that collaboration around, around teams. Well, we, we do. Uh, the, I mean, the, the important part really is to understand how your business functions. I mean, forget products and specifics in terms of us, but just in terms of business in general, where are your collaborative pieces and how are those people performing? And then what are you doing to replicate what you have in the office? Keeping those things in mind, because you don't think about it. Okay, go home and work. Okay, well, how did we work? You don't really stop and think about the mechanics of what people are doing on a day-to-day -day basis to get their jobs done. So taking some time to to pay attention to the details of that really can go a long way to spotting the, the productivity problems you're, cre you're creating by scattering people to the winds to try to keep them safe. I would say that's, that's a good place to start. Certainly we have, we've been down this road and we can help, but that's really a good place to start if, if I'm a John Q business owner out there trying to figure out how do I go forward and help my business. Yeah. And I like the idea even more than that of saying, okay, take it out of the current context, but still saying, hey, you got to know your team. You got to know your people. You, it's, it's not just a case of, hey, sit up here in the C-level seat suite kind of a thing, and you got a bunch of worker bees. If you really want that team unified and working together, whether now I've got to know them because I'm sending them home, or now I've just got to build a better environment kind of a thing, it really comes down to still being in touch and still being knowing your team and knowing your people, what's going on, having the right people put together with the right, right seats, right environment, stuff like that. Yes, exactly. So looking forward, put on your, your rose color glasses here, kind of a thing for the next four or five years. If <laughs> what you are can, those? I know yeah. they're right here somewhere, right? So if you have any chance at all of predicting technology that far, I know you pretty much can't, but what's, what's, the, what's the next four or five years look like for, for White Hat, for your company here going forward business-wise? Uh, what we're working on really is, is moving to more of a consumption model for IT. 
uh, for business. Uh, we've been working on it for a number of years. And really what I mean by that is today when companies, well, it's less so the last few years, but it's still true today. You're buying infrastructure, you're buying stuff and you're capitalizing it uh, over five years because it's, it's gonna run. So you kind of have to predict, you have to buy for now, but you have to predict into the future some number of years to work out depreciation and everything else. And really what we see happening and what we're trying to force is a move to uh, consumption-based utilization for businesses where be it on-prem infrastructure in the cloud, wherever it is, that you only pay for what you're using. If I've got 10 people using desktops, I don't want to buy servers and amortize them over five years and have a huge CapEx cost and suck all the cash flow out of my company. What I want to do is pay $100 a month for 15 desktops and call it a day. And then I hire more people, great. Uh, we, you know, we transition some or do something else then I can get that money back. That's really where, where IT is going uh, in general. It's kind of more to a consumption model. A good parallel to look at is, is kind of power plants. Uh, years and years ago when, when Edison and Tesla were roaming around, if you wanted power, you built your own plant. Uh, now, you, you wouldn't think about building a power plant somewhere. You, you just go pay the bill and somebody shows up and there's a little meter spinning on the side of your building and you pay for it. And ultimately we see that is where IT will go. Not, you know, not completely. Uh, I mean, at some point we'll be at grid computing, but really that's, that's the model that we see working is you can tap in and leverage what you, what you want and what you need for your business and know more and be able to get away. Um, that's the first piece. The second piece is not having to have all the expertise in your barn to figure out how to run your business. The average business needs about, from an IT perspective, needs about 120 different skill sets. And then the, so the magic, even from our side as a service provider is what is the fewest number of people we can hire of the right skill sets to have for our particular customers? Well, in customers are going through the same thing. So you're going to see that start to get easier. The, the, the smart brainiacs that get paid a lot are going to work for more and more consolidated companies um, from an IT perspective. And customers are going to be able to subscribe and get the services they need and not have to talk to 15 vendors and, and go through you know, brain-breaking exercises to figure out what to buy. So in short, it's going to get a lot easier to buy IT in the future and you're not going to have as much risk of putting as much capital out there to try to build the infrastructure you need to do what you need to do. So I think those will, do two, will be two big things that happen over the course of the next five years. And you see Amazon, uh, you see Google Cloud, you see Azure, there's various other entities trying to pull that off. Uh, we do that as well, providing infrastructure completely on a subscription. You know, you say what you need, we stack it all up and and you pay for what you use. So it's, I mean, it's happening on a small scale with companies like us, and it's certainly happening on the on the global scale. Yeah, I will say just as a, a pitch, obviously for your company kind of a thing right now, being in that realm, you can do a lot of it from a, a DIY kind of perspective of like you said, Amazon's out there, there's pick your phone service out here, pick your email service out here, and you still end up with a whole bunch of different stuff you're trying to manage and piece together and integrate. Whereas dealing with a an outsourced third-party IT kind of something where you're already doing that integration and saying, okay, here's the turnkey solution for it is, is a huge difference because I know entrepreneurial kind of mindset, we want to save as much money, we want to keep things simple, but at the same time by going out and trying to do, again, everything ourselves, we end up making it so much more complicated. So definitely like the, 
the mentality and the mindset and the approach you're taking with it there because it's it's in some respects it is actually almost becoming i'd say a little bit too easy for for everybody to try to go do it yourself and it it turns into a mess yeah you you can spin yourself into a hole i mean i i nobody starts a business to own it stuff right you wanted to you wanted to open uh, in a bakery and create the most beautiful cakes. You wanted to be the best consultant. You wanted to sell a lot of real estate. Nobody thought, man, I really want to own a bunch of computers. I really want printers that don't work from time to time. I want to have problems with Wi-Fi. Uh, that's not, that's not what anybody wants. Uh, and I mean, that's, it's uh, absurd to say as much, but really that's where we are in, in from a, from a technology perspective is as a business owner, do you want to burn calories trying to figure out how to bolt all of these pieces together? Or do you want to go be the best baker? Do you want to go make the best car? Do you, do you want to you know, service the best car? What do you want to do? Go do that and find somebody else that is going to be down in the engine room uh, keeping things working for you. You, know, you can't ignore it by any stretch because IT's, every business is just about uh, these days an IT business. But there's no reason that it has to consume ridiculous uh, amount of your time and the average of 6% of your, your annual revenue uh, for IT. Um, there's, you, you can stay focused about what you're passionate about and what you got into the business for without having to just kill yourself with this IT stuff, which can be you know, life-sucking for some people that just that they, they need it, but they don't want to deal with it, just like yeah. the other aspects of business. Well, and that's, that's really the key. I think that applies really across the business. And that's, that's probably one of the best lessons to take out of this kind of stuff is that you've got to be able to focus on your expertise, focus on where you're best at and either outsource to a third party company or bring in additional team kind of thing, grow and scale your team to say, Hey, my role is not it. I'm going to bring in an it consultant. I want to bring in a company. My role is not finance. I'm going to bring in a, an accountant or something like that to be able to really right. true and grow, grow the company. Cause that's really where we look at and say, okay, that's where a lot of people get hamstrung and, and their business doesn't grow and it hits that ceiling because, okay, we can't let go of those pieces and really focus on honestly what makes you happy. It's like, it's, it's, it's kind of a double-edged thing. It's like, okay, if you would just look, lose some of these, if you just let go of some of these pieces, you'd probably be a whole lot happier than you are right now trying to hang on to and trying to juggle them all. So that's, I definitely see that applying across the board, but yeah, especially in IT. So I hate to cut this short. We're actually running a little long normally, but um, tell us a little bit more about where, if they want to learn some more about virtual uh, or white hat virtual, I'm going to get this spelled out right here. White hat virtual technologies, where can they find you and get some more information there? Uh, Whitehatvirtual.com uh, is the easy, easiest place to find us. Um, and uh, really from, from that perspective, we help in a lot of different areas uh, related to IT, but, but fundamentally it is making sure your end users are productive and teaching business owners what the levers are of IT. So, I mean, you understand basically how sales works, how finance work, how operations work. We want to provide that same kind of knowledge to the levers of IT. So if you're, if you are running it in-house or if you outsourced it to somebody, you at least know how to control it and what the gauges are you need to look at to make sure you're getting the value out of it. But that's, that's the best place to, uh, to reach out and find us. Uh, and, you know, if I can, I can be of any assistance, certainly I can, the company and, and I can be found on LinkedIn, uh, be happy to, to help where I can, uh, again, help folks figure out, uh, how to, how to, in this day and age, 
how to exist and, and how to do better in their own business. And if it's, you know, if it, if it, if it profits white hat, awesome. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's as much about making sure that we all stay in business uh, to, to win the day tomorrow than it is anything else. But I appreciate the time. No, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Enjoyed the conversation. And again, thanks for spending a few days, a few minutes with us today, so I can get out straight. So thanks again, and hopefully we'll be talking to you again soon. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Building to Scale podcast. If you would like to share your entrepreneurial business growth story, please visit buildingtoscale.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you do both us and our guest a favor and share it on your social media accounts? Don't forget to hit subscribe in your player so that you don't miss any future episodes and make sure to reach out to Jeff Chastain on any of the major social media networks or check us out at admentis.com.